Our scripture is taken from the first, cha- first book, first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And we will read the first chapter as well as the first nine verses of chapter 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. And let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land. And the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. According to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation. Plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it, in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. To govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind 
in our image, in our likeness, so that they, can, they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creation, creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the, along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and breathed on into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to be especially focusing on chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Okay, I'm going to try this. Who remembers this song? A place to stand, a place to grow. Okay, you got it. Okay. You know, I grew up in Vancouver Island, and I know that song. It came, and I, I did some research on it this week, and it came from Expo 67, from the Ontario exhibit in Montreal. And there it was, a place to live for you and me with hopes as high as the tallest tree. What a great place, Ontario. It expresses this wideness of, of this, this freedom, this thriving in this province of tall trees called Ontario. We all want a place to stand and a place to grow. And that's what God created for us. God created, in the beginning, a place for us to stand and grow. It was a garden assigned for humans to flourish. Ages later, we still talk about that truth. We want a place to live. We want a place to thrive, a place to grow. A place 
to thrive is what this Bible story is all about. Now, it's interesting to th- when you look at... Oh, can you just go back one slide? When you look at the, the Babylonian creation story, because there's creation stories in every religion, and the Babylonians, which were same kind of time as, as the Israelites, they have a story also about a garden being created. But in that story, the gods create the garden, and they, they created the garden for themselves to enjoy. They wanted to have a place for them to thrive and grow. After all, gardens were luxury items only for the rich and the powerful to enjoy. But the gods got tired of building this garden. They got kind of sick of it. So what did they do? They got the lesser gods to do it. They got the lesser gods to to do all the hard work. And, well, the lesser gods didn't want to do it either. So after about 40 days of building all those canals and diverting all the water, they said, yeah, we're not doing it. There was a rebellion. And rather than punishing those lesser gods, the, the higher gods said, Aha, we're going to create humans, and they're going to work in that garden. They're going to build that garden for us. So they created humans to do what none of them wanted to do themselves. And that way, the gods could enjoy their garden without, the, without toil, as the humans served the gods. And you think, what kind of a religion flows out of a creation story like that? about God who, who does that. Well, you get a, you get a culture, you get a, a, a religion of domination, of slavery, of oppression. You work for me, so I don't have to work myself. And the kings and the rulers of the Babylonians who represent God would be the bosses. And their subjects were the means necessary for them to enjoy their life. And they would have the subjects tend the king's garden, which was only for the kings and the wealthy to enjoy. Strict hierarchy will be maintained, and with the powerful in power and the subjects in servitude. But the story of the Bible is something much different. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, and there he put the man he had formed. He created humans before he created the garden. And that sequence is important. Humans first, then the garden. God created human beings first out of his love, out of this this love that that is uh, existent within the persons of the Trinity, this self-giving love between them that, that... was self-sufficient, they still, out of their love, created human beings. And it was only after he created Adam that God created the garden, not for himself, but for the humans he had just created. He created space for the humans to live and flourish. And he didn't make it just a a decent garden, and an adequate garden, something good enough for, for them. He made a profoundly beautiful garden. It was an exquisite space filled with fruit trees to provide for humans to thrive and grow. The Lord made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground 
trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. There, there were all kinds of trees there. there. It wasn't a monoculture. He didn't just plunk down the same model of tree in, in these rows after rows after rows. He, he created variety, a rich biodiversity, an interdependent ecosphere. And everywhere you looked, there was something different. Each tree had a place, its niche, its unique space in the garden, and there was room for all the different trees because variety is important to God. And the trees were pleasant to the eye. He could have made practical trees. He could have made functional trees. He could have made useful trees. And no doubt they were all that. But he also made trees that were pleasing to the eye. God cared about aesthetics. He cared what they looked like. He cared about color and size and texture. He wanted things that pleased the eye and pleased our eye. God cares about the interplay of color and light and size and shape because beauty is important to God. And they were good for food. God created a garden that would sustain us. This is what we think of when we think of God creating and providing for us. God is our, God our Father. I believe in God the Father. He's our provider. He's our one who gives us this bounty. He created trees to provide for us. Adam did not have to eke out a living in this garden. He had to work, but he didn't have to toil. The garden uh, could be relied upon to bring forth its bounty. There's, there's no sense of scarcity here. There's only abundance. There was plenty to eat. Every meal was, was a foodie's dream. You know, a, a synthesis of beauty and taste and provision. Not only did they eat, they ate well, and they ate with this aesthetic experience. This was, a, this was amazing. Providing is important to God. As John Calvin said, what a happy and pleasant habitation was allotted to him. God spared nothing in creating this beautiful, marvelous space. God is not a God of forced labor. This space was made for humans. God is not only holy, powerful, creating, by his word, speaks, and it happens. This God is also the God who looks out for the interests of the humans he created. So what kind of religion and culture flows from such a story about God? Well, one of hospitality, of making space, of serving others and allowing the other to flourish, one of beauty and art. That's what the Bible calls us to as humans. That's, that's where it places us at the beginning. We were created to love with extravagance, without counting the cost. This space is the space of relationships that are modeled on the self-giving love that exists at the center of all there is. So what kind of relationships would develop within a garden that God created for us? Relationships of hospitality, for one. Relationships would entail making space for the other. Relationships would have to do with enabling the other to flourish and thrive in the garden. Relationship of marriage 
would be one of accepting someone who's not related to you and becoming close kin. Marriage is creating a garden of sorts. It's creating a space for that person to be himself or herself. It's giving the other person the space to thrive and pursue her calling to express his gifts. Marriage requires making the physical space and time for interaction of listening and dreaming and doing and allowing yourselves to be changed in the process. Friendships would be similar. There would be no envy or jealousy. There would, they would, everyone would foster the well-being of the other, protecting from harm and enabling the, their friends to, to use their skills for the unfolding and well-being of the world. Friends would find joy in seeing how each other is thriving in this garden and celebrating each one's accomplishment. Business relationships, work relationships, government relationships, national relationships would all be based on respecting each other's space to grow and thrive in place and, and allowing each other that space. There'd be no conflict over habitats, no breaking up spaces, occupying someone else's space, no colonization and keeping them out. The creative force at work in the garden is God's hospitality making space for us. He makes space for humans to thrive and humans pay it forward. We all get along really well. And connected to this would be relationships based on abundance rather than scarcity. Spouses, parents, friends, employers, governments, and nations would be marked by generosity because they know there's always more. There's always abundance. There would be time for art, for leisure, for enjoyment. Life wouldn't be marked by toil and slavery, but mutual generosity and blessing. We all have enough. We all do well here. Let's get on with it. Which leads to another feature of relationships. They would be marked by servanthood. Not oppression or slavery, but a sense of wanting to serve the interests of others as well as we can. That's how God is within community, a community of self-giving love. That's how God expressed that community, by creating this space and serving the interests of the humans he had just created. And we would live out of that servant way. Part of the human economy would be to help each other accomplish goals and then enjoy each other's successes. Built into all of this would be a sense of rest, and freedom from anxiety. We would rest in God, in God's abundance. We would trust in God's future blessing. Doesn't that sound amazing? Doesn't that sound like utopia? The truth of the biblical story is that we were set up well. We were placed in a prepared garden. There was a place for us to stand, a place for us to grow, and it wasn't called Ontario. It was called Eden. Now we know that the rest of the story doesn't go well. We know things get broken. Things fell away. Human beings made their choices, and then their choices made them, and God was not pleased. And we're going to see in the stories of Genesis how relationships got twisted and misdirected. And some of you remember watching that groundbreaking breaking situation comedy called All in the Family. If, if not, your kids are probably going to watch it on YouTube or whatever. They're, you can watch it. 
It explored the dysfunction among people, the racism, the sexism, the patriotism, the, the patriarchal power system, and the tyranny of nostalgia. All that happens in the stories of Genesis as well. We know these agonies in our own relationships, and the stories in Genesis mirror our experiences. Even though they're thousands of years old, they still speak to us today. We find ourselves there. And all those stories of dysfunction are set up against the story of the garden. This is the way we were built, Genesis says. This is the way it's supposed to be, Genesis says. This is what God designed for us. And all the stories of how we get it wrong serve to highlight that there is an ideal way of living in this world. We still have a spiritual home, that spiritual home in our hearts, and we long for it. And we still need a place of belonging, a location, a place to live, and a place to grow. And we long for the habitat that God prepared for us. But the stories we encounter in Genesis don't point us back to this garden. They don't call for us somehow, get back to that ideal state. Come on, let's, let's all just go back to Eden. This utopic place, this created perfection. Because that time has passed, and it's never coming back. And in the stories we hear, we're going to hear this summer, we'll, we'll see how they, they point us forward to something new. Because God didn't give up on his creation even after he expelled us from the garden. He stayed in a relationship to us. He made promises to us. He made covenant with us. Keeping covenant with the creation he had made even when it fell away from him. He found a way for people with their messy lives to live before him and still enjoy his presence and creative love. And God made a plan that doesn't bring us back to the garden but to a new place of thriving to a renewed heaven and a renewed earth. Already when we see Adam and Eve sent out of the garden, he promised the coming of the one who would crush the serpent's head. And the stories of God's family point us forward to a coming time of redemption, of renewal, of, the, of spirit, of new heaven, new earth. Things will be like the garden, but they will be different than the garden. In the end, there will be a holy city where we will live with God and we, it will be a place rich in relationships and in thriving. And so as we read the, the stories in Genesis this summer, we will notice how they, they all show the aftermath of the fall, the, the, just the, the stuff that, that happens and, and, and the gunk that comes out of, of, of the fall with all its agony and relational misery and, and darkness and pain and, and all the sorrow that, that just makes you groan. And, and, and these, these are not pretty pictures that we, we see in the scriptures. But they will also point to the one who, redeem, who will redeem the world who will put things to right and will make us new. They will point us to Christ in whom we are a new creation with the old gone and the new having come. The last chapter of the Bible gives us a picture of this renewed world. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the, heaven, from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was sitting on, seated on the throne said, I am making all, everything new. And so the stories that we hear this summer will have an element that says, This isn't the way it was supposed to be. God didn't make us this way. They point us back to the creation, to that space that God created for us to thrive. And they also have a pointer for us to point us toward Christ, to this new place, and that new place to stand and to grow. And they fill us with a hope of a new thing, a new way of being. And the whole creation groans for that new place for us to live and grow that comes through Christ. So as we read those stories, may our hearts recognize something of the misery we live in because we are not where we were created to be. And may they fill us with longing to be in that new place where God once again will dwell with us and he will be all in all. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that you created space for us. You not only created us in your great love, but because of your great love, you took care of us and you created a place for us to thrive and to grow. And Lord, as we see the ways in which that has not happened, we see the ways in which the the things that you created us for have been twisted and and changed. Thank you that you did not abandon us, but you sent Jesus to save us and to redeem us and to give us hope of a new thing, a new heaven and a new earth. Help us in these weeks as we hear the stories to, to see you and see us in relationship to you In Jesus' name we pray, amen.